0: Hasty, the Senior Director of Theological Education Funds Development with the Pressure and Foundation and the Committee on Theological Education. Um, I work in partnership, and I love to have partners in ministry, so many of you who are hopefully joining us now. I can't see you yet, but uh, uh, I know you're there. And especially this partner, uh, Jessica Von Lohr, I want to introduce you to. Hopefully, she'll be a partner with you. Um, that smile is real. She brings joy into the rooms. I remember meeting her first at an Academy of Religious Leadership meeting in Chicago, um, uh, and uh, we just had, had a great time. There are a lot of Presbyterians involved in that group, um, and yeah. he is one of them and just uh, has a great story to tell, and I want to tell a little bit of it. We're going to talk about leading congregations. Uh, in 2021, and something she cares about not only practically uh, as a head of co head of staff at San Marino Community Church uh, in the Los Angeles area, a- area but also uh, academically in the kind of um, your academic pursuits. So, Jessica, thanks for taking time at 10 a.m your time
1: the <laughs> wonderful time in the morning to be here i'm i'm glad that you asked me thanks for the invite
0: good good you've had your coffee or tea or whatever it is in the yes morning. yes
1: yeah. tea i did but i you know i skipped on the second cup because i didn't know how long you were gonna you know chit chat <laughs> i know how you are when you get going so right i just <laughs> <it>. <laughs> you know,
0: I, I made a hot cup of tea but i left it over in my
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: So i'll just have to wait i have my that's order. right have my water close by always. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Jessica is uh, a real gift. She is uh, a, I guess, um, grew up in California. Um, yeah. Went to Montessori school. We just this learned at least partial for just part for of pre-school. your
1: preschool. Just for preschool. Just for
0: preschool. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, now she's been around the sun a few more times since then. We're not going to have to say how many. Um, yeah. But uh, undergrad in Irvine, UC Irvine in English, um, and English language and literature. And then I think pretty much immediately right on to Princeton Theological Seminary. Yeah,
1: yeah I did. I went to Princeton Theological Seminary straight from undergrad when I was like Called 21 the... or something like that. Wow. I That's... know. Wow. That wasn't wise. Why did they let in a 21 year old? Come on. <laughs> But you know what? It's serving me well now, so I'm not complaining.
0: There you go. There you go. Um, It's a beautiful place. Um, That is for sure. And beautiful people. You know, when she was in, this is, I love this. I read something you read about, Jessica's very intentional about her clothing. Um, She's written about this. Uh, Her husband has been in some fair trade kind of clothing. She's intentional about that. And she went from uh, loving uh, her favorite t-shirt being New Jersey, only the strong survive. I love this in college seminary where you say you wore tailor tuxedo slacks red patent leather loafers socks with crazy prints and layers of thermal undershirts with a blazer inexplicably and a, a tie loosely strung around your neck
1: <laughs> you know you know I, at some point in time, you just got to try it and see what works for you. I mean, you've landed on the bow tie. Not all of us were so lucky. That's good.
0: Yeah. That's good. Yes. Yeah. But you well, know what?
1: I need to clarify that the whole tie thing that I was doing in seminary, I did not get that from Avril Levine. Like, it was me and then Avril. That's okay. all
0: <laughs> That's beautiful. But those
1: shoes were great. Those red patent leather loafers. Mm. Right. I could find another well, it,
0: it's a metaphor for me because if, I feel like you know how to adapt because you did ministry there and then served <laughs> your first church in Pennsylvania and uh, I guess your first two calls in Pennsylvania and then returned to California. And while being a parent, a stay-at-home parent, you're also a parish associate in missional leadership. Um, I love this description um, on your LinkedIn about being a stay-at-home. I'm glad you have it on your LinkedIn because this is leadership. We were just talking about it a minute ago. <laughs> Rapidly learned skills to keep up with two incompetent human life, uh, keep two incompetent humans alive, teaching basic skills. <laughs> we don't have to tell what those are. Uh, injecting creativity, <laughs> into a monotonous routine. These are all important things for 2020 that you were doing you know, a decade ago or whatever, working with irrational people and unreasonable expectations and (laughs) requests (laughs) and managing a schedule, finances and day-to-day of busy lives. I mean, you were ready for 2020.
1: I did too. Come on, that is is not only good for 2020 and 2021. It is also good for anyone who has ever served in ministry formally or informally. Right. Uh, You know, so, I'm with
0: you. I'm, with you. I'm gonna start. I gotta think about my, my parenting skills. <laughs> um, he helped to was the first pastor of a merged congregation in Texas that's the intercultural, um, kind of competency there. And while you were in Trace Rios Presbytery, I think this is super cool. Uh, a lot of folks listening are in Presbytery leadership in one way or another. Um, moderator of a missional ministries team, which was a combined COM and CPM. I think that is brilliant whoever came up with that hopefully it functioned that way yeah. um, and has been in San Marino since 2018 and then since 2020 in October during this pandemic became a co-head of staff there I'm I just uh, I don't know what makes you come alive but I am so excited to ask you that question <laughs> what is it Jessica that makes you come alive because we need people like you coming alive um, in the world and in the, uh, today
1: Lee, uh, Lee, you know, and I, I told you I was, I've been struggling with this. You told me you were gonna ask me this question. It was gonna be how we we're gonna start our time together. And I've been thinking about it for the last two weeks. And I, um, even this morning I was at my outdoor Pilates class and I said to my friend, Evelyn, I have to answer this question and I don't know how to answer it right now. And she said, oh, just tell them that, you know, it's the resiliency of people and the way that humanity comes to light and darkness. And so I'm going to give Evelyn's answer, which actually isn't all too far from the truth. Um, I think the thing that's giving me life right now is is, is our people, um, the people that are in my home, my husband, mm-hmm. my kids, but also the people that um, are on my staff that I get to work with every day. I have been so fortunate to, to have be blessed with great people, uh, both currently and in the past. So uh, if you're looking for something a little more academic or like leadership focused, like okay. I'm really into shared leadership at the moment. Uh, okay. That's not true. I, I like it, but um, it's not giving me life. People are giving me life.
0: People, right. And starting with Evelyn, we need to shout out. Shout out hey, to Evelyn.
1: <laughs> Evelyn is great. And if you ever need an answer in a pinch, Evelyn will definitely provide you one. She's lovely.
0: <laughs> that's awesome. You know, it really is. I mean, I think that's why we get along. People know how much I love people is, um, you know, and this is body crisis is we're really talking about ecclesiology kind of stuff here. I mean, it may not sound heady and academic, but. Um, how we live uh, in the body of Christ uh, as the church um, and, and coming alive. I mean, and, it, and it's not alone. I mean, I love that stuff about all Paul's, uh, you know, references to the body of Christ. We need, we need all those parts working together. That is, that is for sure. Um, and I love that you mentioned partnership there, that you're not alone in what you do at home. Yeah. Um, with your children, you're you're co-parenting, right? Or or um, in the church, you're doing that alongside staff, and I'm sure some competent uh, lay leaders as well. Um, yeah. And in in LA, where the pandemic is still raging, right? I mean, it's raging everywhere, but I feel like even more so um, in in LA. Is that true?
1: It is true. We've been the global epicenter uh, for, I think, the last couple of weeks, although I think we just got news that things are starting to diminish a little bit, uh, and that the hospital entrances are not as high as they were. I think that's that's fairly new news that's come out in the last day or so. So, uh, But you know what? We have been under stay-at-home martyrs, more or less, uh, with some very few variations in there since March of last year. Uh, not a lot has changed for us out here.
0: <sighs> wow. it's a yeah. lot that's a lot is are the in the vaccine is is getting distributed i hope
1: yeah yeah i mean it, the they're opening up dodger stadium they're saying that they're going to be able to vaccinate 12,000 people a day once that's running full bore so hopefully you know with some um, improved organization we'll be able to get that going you know i know that our local presbyterian retirement community was already able to receive the vaccinations uh so it is moving it's moving and it's that's,
0: that is great. I have some friends in that local Presbyterian community, so I'm oh, yeah? really glad to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> There's some well, cool people there.
1: And you know what? Chances are that the people you know are the people I know, because a lot of those Presbyterians come to San Marino Community Church. Oh, that's
0: good to hear. So,
1: oh, yeah. I have been blessed to, to have some make so many friends and learn so much from people who have been leading the church for the generations ahead and continue to shape it now. It's been incredible.
0: Right. Oh gosh. Yeah. Um, without their permission, I'm not going to mention their names. But <laughs> I mean, what it's that is part of the resource I think um, to draw upon. I know I've. I do not know if you've, you're finding that um, as you think toward um, what has been helpful and what will be as you move forward. But having those voices of people who've been around, you know, like you know we've maybe we didn't weather you know the 1918 pandemic, but we've weathered some other storms and. Um, we can, we can get through this storm or, you know, we can do this together. Um, I think that's, it's, it's a resource we have in the Presbyterian Church. <laughs> you know, we yes, sometimes yes. grieve about, you know, folks in builder generations or what have you, but there's, a, there's a lot of wisdom um, and, and faith um, yeah. among those. Um, so I'm glad to hear you have those friendships and that, that support.
1: Oh, it's been great. You know, we sort of joke about the connectionalism and the PCOSA. You know, it's every now and then it's a convenient sort of scapegoat for whatever it is that we're doing or should be doing or not doing or whatever. But I think there's truthfulness in that. And, uh, you know, especially in a time like this, you know, we've been faced with a pandemic, but the church already, not just the PCOSA, the church across the nation has already been dealing with significant challenges. Um, And in so many ways, this pandemic has just sped up those challenges. It hasn't uh, put them on hold. It's made them more pressing. And so, you you know, I think that it's, it's more important now than ever. It's funny, you know, even as I'm talking to you now, I have a a text chain with um, five other women that I graduated seminary with, and they are all texting me saying like, oh my gosh, how are you doing? It's all going great. Uh, I need, I need those friendships now more than ever. Right. Um, and I am so grateful for that connectionalism. Had we not had it, I mean, imagine, imagine this pandemic in 1918 without Zoom. How <laughs> would any of us have survived? You know. Right. Um, right. So it's it's more important now than ever.
0: 100. I, I mean, I, the same for me. I mean, and I actually, my um, I have one of these these groups, not just for my seminary, but um, it's a lectionary, you know, kind of preacher group. You normally get together and. In, uh, in January, and we're kind of spacing it out. And we have actually this afternoon uh, a gathering and, and a text chain going to. I mean, that's it's and it's brought us closer. It's brought us closer together. And if you don't have, you know, some people say, well, I don't have one of those groups or what have you. I'm like, create one right (laughs) reach out to those folks you're in seminary with or um the folks that you know you're in ministry with even close by whatever whatever it is um find find that um well where you can be you right you can totally let your hair down it's easier for me to do that than you
1: know exactly (laughs) exactly some of us you know it's a little bit more of an effort but you know (laughs) Right? We, can all, we can all let our hair down sometimes. Right, yeah.
0: <laughs> and just be be yourself, be you. So, um, yeah. Um, as you know, yeah. tell us a little bit about, and this may help folks just get a grip. I mean, in terms of your your academic work around leadership. Uh, I know we were in the conversation leading up to this. You just described kind of everything being ramped up. Um, I'm, not, I'm paraphrasing your word, but everything's sort of more intense. There's more urgency. There's more speed moving through these kind of transitions and what have you. For many folks, that's scary. I mean, that's like getting on a, you know, that's like driving yeah. a car faster than we're normally used to driving. But when I talk to you about that, um, you are realistic about it, but also you're smiling. There's a hopefulness. There's like an, a giddiness almost about like, that's could be super cool. I mean, is, yeah. I mean how, why, why is that? How can you embrace that? How, how can we embrace, see, see what you're seeing?
1: Oh, man. You know, I'll, I'll cop, up, cop, cop to it from the very beginning, which is I, um, some of the ability to be able to look at the way that um, this pandemic has sped up the future for the church. Some of the comfort that I have with that comes from some of the privileges that I have in being mm-hmm. in the place that I'm at. Right, and so I think that, you know, it, it is, I do have some curiosity and some enthusiasm about what is coming down the pike, um, but I wouldn't expect that to be normal for everybody. I think that what you said is right. Um, it is a scary time. And for a lot of people that were leading churches, both lead leaders and pastors, it was already scary prior already to the pandemic. Already scary, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I have worked in the smallest church that I worked with as a solo pastor, had 70 members. We had 30 people in worship. Wow. Um, I also served with churches that were 2,200 members, five pastors on staff, uh, merged churches. I've worked with Church Starts. And all of them have moments where there's scare. it's, it's scary and you don't know what's coming. Um, I think that for me, uh, so now, you know, saying that I don't think that everyone's got to feel this way. But for me, I think when we have been working in the church and the church, we have said the church is about 50 years behind society. Uh, and maybe, you know, that has changed. Maybe that gap has closed over the last decade or so, but not by much. I mean, mm-hmm. we're still a good 30 years behind right. at best. Right. Um, and this pandemic has, has brought us up even closer where we've had to face the future um, And there's opportunity that comes with that. It's easy to get scared. It's easy and and to feel that fear. And we we have to be true to it when we feel it. But um, what are the things that we hoped the church was going to be doing in 20 years? What are the things that we dreamed that our congregation was going to be able to approach and be able to explore? Because right now we are given that opportunity at a very strange time. Um, and to be able to say, look, we get a little bit of a clean slate, you have t- new troubles that come with a clean slate. Um, but what is it that you want to do that that mission trip that you wanted to have or that partnership that you wanted to start or, you know, this small groups that you wanted to lead? Um, people now are, are looking for something that brings them life. So mm. do the thing that brings you life, you know, right? Um, and so I think that that trying to be able to see those places of opportunity, and they're different for for every community, but trying to see those places and then just have the courage to just to just try it, to just do it, if, if so long as it's possible, you know, financially or whatever. If it's not, then what is the thing you can do that doesn't require the financial right. resources?
0: And so. maybe some of the financial resources budgeted for one thing can be moved into this. Into this new thing, I see some folks who are getting on here. Uh, Tim, actually, one of my somebody I went to seminary way that you know, Tim, uh, you must know, Tim Davenport Herbs. Uh, Tim and,
1: Davenport Herbs, right, he's my buddy from uh, Trace Rios. I miss right, that and, guy. And
0: Cynthia, I was actually in the room when they proposed to each other. Oh. I think it was kind of a mutual thing. Um, oh. At any rate, um, uh, Susan. Uh, Seizma Bratz, I hope I'm pronouncing she's that right.
1: Seisma Bratz, yes. she's up there in uh, Wisconsin, right. down the fort.
0: If if you, ha- in the Facebook feed there on the Theological Education Fund page, if you put a, a comment, we'll try to get your question or comment uh, raised. I'm glad to have you here with either 30 or 40 folks joining us, so we're glad to have you. Um, that that's helpful yeah i mean and i really appreciate that it's a pastoral response to jessica which i'm not surprised like it's not the same everywhere and every context is unique but there is a possibility to kind of embrace the speed of change that's happening and um, it's even though it's, it, it's scary. Um, how does that happen like around your session table, so to speak, you know, around the leadership, thing. the leadership groups that you're a part of, or your staff? I mean, how are you, how, how are you shaping these framing? Those are good. Is there questions that you're using? Maybe some things that from your PhD work and studies that is informing you here. Um, uh, yeah. I know, uh, both of us have read a lot of John Heifetz and around sort of. There's some urgency, right? We can embrace right. the urgency. We can also be right. kind of create some uh, a holding, you know, place as well. I mean, that's important. So, right. um, how are you talking about this in those leadership groups?
1: You know, <laughs> I think uh, so. The thing that the thing that I am focused on right now. I am a PhD student at Antioch University. I'm at their. Grad- graduate school for leadership and change, um, and uh, have really focused a lot on human development, adult development in particular. Uh, And one of the things that's really caught my attention in the last several months has been how anxiety functions within an organization. So Mm -hmm. we know that there are individuals who have anxiety, um, but sometimes we forget that the organization itself can produce and retain and magnify anxiety. Um, sometimes it's not because of one individual, although individuals contribute to it, but it's, it's because of the way that the organization is functioning, what it's listening to, and sometimes when an organization is listening to, creates this feedback loop that just causes the anxiety to intensify. You know, mm-hmm. the church, oh yeah, int- build, intensify, expand, and it can take over, you know, we talk a lot about culture, about church culture, organizational right. culture. Um, Anxiety can shift a culture, Um, sometimes in ways that are positive. You know, you mentioned urgency. John Cotter is a big guy who writes about the necessity of urgency in facilitating change or in responding to the circumstances that organizations are going through. But sometimes that anxiety can just suck all of the energy out of the room. And I know for a lot of churches, certainly churches that I have been working with over the years, anxiety is a huge presence in the room. Uh, Not just for the leadership who might be looking at budgets or might be looking at lacking human resources as volunteers age or step away or you have busy, busyness is starting to overtake volunteer hours, but anxiety for congregants as well who are looking at the world that they are living in, and it is changing. They don't understand it. One of my favorite phrases comes from Scott Cormode. He is one of the leadership people over at Fuller. He is the person who started the Journal for Religious Leadership, right. and he he says, you know, we we serve the never changing gospel in an ever changing society. Mm. And I love that phrase because it is so true. How are we faithful to the never changing gospel? In an ever-changing society that is continuing to surprise us,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um, and it sort of caused whiplash. You know, you're looking at one thing, and all of a sudden, you have to look at another. So that's what I have been focusing a lot recently: is how how do we just name the anxiety that's in the organization, mm-hmm. and then how do we approach it, particularly for those that are in leadership, be it lay leadership or uh, you know formal leadership? How do we address that anxiety in a way that sucks it out of the system Mm -hmm. so that we can, we can start to feel a little more freedom in what we're doing.
0: Right. That's beautiful. Yeah. I mean, don't ignore it sometimes, uh, you know, I'm from the South and we're known for sort of (laughs) Beating around the bush sometimes.
1: I wondered why you were talking like that, Lee. You've explained it for me. Thank you. I appreciate that.
0: <laughs> so, I mean, I think it's it's really helpful. And I think it's it's not just in the South. as other places. Uh, so oh,
1: absolutely. Know, the West Coast, too. But yeah. the East Coast, too. We all have yeah. our ways of avoiding the thing
0: avoid avoid, avoid this okay, yeah, avoid well. the anxiety and and, and I, it's helpful you frame it's not just an individual kind of person it's not just psychological it's more sociological I mean it's exactly you know it's a, it happens in a culture and in organizations but yet if you embrace it that's actually a lever you know toward some positive change like this is our anxiety so we need to address. You know, um, address that. And thanks for the resources. I mean, uh, John Car- Cotter, S. Scott Cormode, I think is super helpful. You mentioned the gospel. I know you're a preacher, really good preacher. Uh,
1: well, <laughs> thank you for buttering it, me up there, Lee. I appreciate it,
0: I, that. I, I love y'all. They're doing a cool little series at San Marino on Severin Hebrew words every Christian should know. That's you know, right, which tools- I would like
1: to take credit for, but I cannot. I borrowed that from David Powers and from Tara Bolger that oh, are in beautiful. Alabama. And I don't know where David is now, but. I- David
0: is in, um, these are both people I know. David is in the St. Louis area, I believe, just outside well, of Lewis. He
1: was in Atlanta, but I think he's, I think he just announced that he's going somewhere else. Oh, maybe,
0: maybe that's right. Maybe Okay. Yeah. So I'm, I have it wrong, but yes, I know both of those folks. Very cool. Not surprised, but it's a great series and a thing to, but it's an opportunity. It feels like the gospel, the good news, there is something to say even more so in these moments and people yeah. are flocking to i mean you're all seeing that happen just flocking to you know online worship services even more so than maybe they were in person and yeah you know, there's there's some different things to say i mean how 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 does leadership look like from the pulpit uh let's just let's say
1: gosh it looks so different and it especially looks so different for- we're, depending on where you are in the country right, right. Um, we haven't been able to welcome anybody back into physical uh, physical space since right. March so we're 10 months we are on pre-recorded services live stream when we're able we're doing all of these tech upgrades I think for us leadership from the pulpit has been trying to um, trying to cross that that Fourth wall. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, how do we create rituals where people can, even though we are at a distance, and even though often worship is pre recorded, it's not even happening in that time. It was recorded on another day. Right. And for those of us who just lived through the last two weeks, we see how much a day can change things.
0: <laughs> uh, man, an hour. <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: man. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, you see this all over the internet right now. Like, I'm ready for some precedented times, you know? <laughs> yeah. We're all ready for it, um, so I think trying to create ways to uh, some rituals that help us to reach through that that fourth wall, so that mm-hmm. it's not proving to be a barrier. Um, I think addressing uh, things that are are we we have to be able to ref. Rough- and take take note of the world we're in, of the pandemic and the way that it shapes us, it's become part of each of our families and we cannot ignore it any more than we would ignore one of our children. However, we can't sit here and just always preach about it. You know, there has to be an ability to say, right. this is part of our family. This is part of how it shapes, how we move in the world. And so how can we move in the world with some of these constraints that we've all sort of mutually understand now? Right. Um, and so, you know, I th- I know we've been trying to work on shorter sermons. That's I have a great good friend Tom Erickson. He's really good at short sermons. Um, I am not, and uh, so, you know, I think trying to to engage people in creative visual ways to the way that we are able, but also speak to to the point that is it remains true. It's the never changing gospel that there is good news, and that right. good news is the most it's the most noticeable when everything is very, very dark.
0: Mm. Amen.
1: Um, so how, how can we say that? How can we do it? How can we live it? How can we show it? You know.
0: Well, it seems like embracing that. Uh, Susan is asking a question about staying non-anxious. This is what, you know, being a non-anxious presence in pastoral leadership, especially, um, and in family systems theory, they talk about, I mean, this, what you're talking about sounds a lot like that. And that can happen through worship and and how you're interpreting and how you're present in that moment, even if it's pre-recorded, um, in that leadership room, um, too. I feel like, yeah, so there's some curiosity about how you can suck that anxiety as you were talking about it out of the room. I mean, part of it's being a non-anxious presence. Are there other things that you think about, um, on?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think it, it, it really comes first with a sense of reflection and I'm going to be And so I still am trying to get my head around this question. Um, I think that being able to reflect and to first be very honest with yourself and with the people in your organization who are capable of approaching this without uh, stirring anxiety, right? Um, Mm -hmm. Just because someone is in a leadership position and that you are meant to rely on them doesn't mean that you can for everything. Everyone still has their strengths. Um, So I think being sure to engage partners who are truly helpful to you in processing this stuff, rather than just to the people that you need to by name. And this is, I think, really important for Presbyterians, because we definitely go through process. We value process. (laughs) Brady Parsons always says we are not efficient, but we are effective. I think that that is true. However, I think too, um, sometimes we need to resist that and say, look, sometimes you just have to make sure that the person you're working with is you're working with not because of their title but because of their ability and characteristic to engage this particular issue kind of so their I think spiritual ref-
0: gifts their spiritual exactly. gifts mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so
1: i think reflection is number one mm-hmm. and then i think number two is being able to say you have to be able to walk into a room and say i feel anxious why mm-hmm. um, this person i know this person is acting anxious why mm-hmm. uh, and and to start identify where those places are. And then I think it also takes a lot of honest conversations, Mm -hmm. conversations that a lot of people, particularly elders who are living busy lives, who come from a variety of family backgrounds, they are not, we were already talking about avoidance, right? And it can be very difficult for people to be able to talk about anxiety because then they get anxious about the anxiety and then, oh my gosh, how am I going to get rid of the anxiety? I'm anxious. I can't end the anxiety. I can't suck it out of the room. No. Um, there's, there's a moment of being able to say, it's in this system. Mm-hmm. We, once we can identify where it is, then let's, let's through conversation, through building trust. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, what's that guy's name? Peter Lencioni, who does the five dysfunctions of a team. Right. Uh, that is a great book. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's short; it's easy to read. But that talks about building trust and how foundational trust is. I think that that's true for countering anxiety as well. Um, and it's it is not um, efficient work, but it is effective work. Amen. To do that,
0: Gosh, I can't believe our time is already.
1: There. 1041. so <laughs> much more
0: to talk about. How about just a couple of things? Is there okay. a book or two you've mentioned a few? A book or two you'd point people to, or or a uh, blog, or something that hey maybe you should know about the Journal of Religious Leadership, which you're the on Journal the of, of Religious
1: Leadership. Obviously, uh, <laughs> that actually is a great resource. It is, you know, the Journal was created to offer a space where uh, academia and um practical so scholarship and practical experience intersect. Mm-hmm. And so it's very accessible. Um, I would say the Journal for Religious Leadership is great. But there's so much great stuff out there. I mean you mentioned Ron Heifetz. He does a great job of talking about how to create a holding space. We were talking about, you know, mm-hmm. how to counter anxiety. I think creating a holding space that is not too hot so that people start stressing out, but not too cold so that right. people check out. And um, that's great. I personally love um, Immunity to Change. I use it all of the time. Okay. Uh, that is that. Uh, Keegan, uh, Bob Keegan and Lisa Leahy. And they come out of Harvard. Um, and they have another book that I also love, although I'm still trying to figure out how to work it into uh, the church life, called An Everybody Culture. Um, and it talks about how to build a culture within your organization where it doesn't just benefit the mission of the organization, but it actually improves the lives of the individuals that are in it, which if that wasn't supposed to be the church from the get-go, then I don't know what was. So, uh, and Everybody Culture by and Leahy.
0: Beautiful. Okay, here's here's a question just because you you keep me on my toes. Oh, good. Th- th- this is a question for my daughter.
1: <gasps> oh, w-
0: Ranch dressing on pizza, yes or no?
1: Only the crust. (laughs) Only the crust. Come on. Southern California, absolutely, but it has to be a good ranch. You can't do any of this like watered down, flavorless. No. Only the crust. You eat all the good part, and then you stick the crust in the ranch, and it's delicious.
0: Good eating. Tell your
1: daughter, that is an excellent
0: Excellent. <laughs> I have to say, you know, sharing food during the pandemic and cooking is also a way to build some community and maybe ease the anxiety that's out there. Jessica, Woo! you have been so much fun. More, you know, I hope folks, everybody follows her in these books, these resources she's mentioned, follow her sermons. I think you would love those. The, the last one on Zacor about remember it's an imperative. It's an imperative, that's That's an emergency. Um, Such a gift to the church and the world, uh, to your family, to San Marino, to the PCUSA. Um, In uh, two weeks, um, I will be hosting another conversation uh, with Landon Whitsitt, another wonderful leader. I don't know if you know Landon, he's now in Oklahoma City, Oklahoma. Um, We'll be talking about vivid digital communications because this guy, he writes music, he writes books creates videos, writes songs. He's, he's amazing how he, he does and we'll have a lot of fun with that. And uh, maybe you can join us too, Jessica, that will be cool. Um, why our past matters for our future A uh, uh, Princeton, um, Professor Heath Carter, the uh, two weeks after that. Um, we're gonna have a lot of fun coming into the next year um, to just send us on our way today on this uh, day after inauguration. Uh, I tell you what, we're in a whole new, whole new time um, would you bless and charge us, uh, Jessica? That would be.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Community church. With each church that I work with, I pray a lot about the, the benediction and the scripture that I think I want, us, want to drive us. And I use that same benediction every single week until the Holy Spirit says that it's time for something else. So uh, right now, the benediction I use comes from Paul to Timothy, which is keep your head about you in every situation, Hmm. endure hardship, be the good news to every person that you meet, and carry that out as your ministry fully. Amen.
0: Amen. Hallelujah. Thanks so much. Go have, I hope for lunch they have good ranch dressing at for your pizza or sometimes
1: now I do want pizza and I definitely want ranch dressing I hope (laughs) my husband is listening because he's in charge of lunch today so (laughs) that's awesome
0: (laughs) friends we look forward to seeing you soon peace be with you